This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Rant. Steve Politi here. Join as always, Brian Fonseca, Pat Lanny. Coming off a big victory, Rutgers 28th, I'm sorry, 22-21 victory over Boston College. Fellas, the best way I can describe this win, it, it, it's the kind of win that changes, at least for me, the perception of what this team can accomplish. And that's because of how they won. I mean, they physically wore down a power five team on both sides of the ball. Uh, it was evident in that last 12 play drive, ran the ball right down Boston College throats, 96 yards, 12 plays, the kind of drive we have not seen from Rutgers in a long time like that. And then defensively, I mean, the pressure they were able to put on that last on that last uh, possession by Boston College, the way they were physically dominant against an NFL quarterback. I mean, it was, you know, I have to have to give them credit. Uh, for the way they won this game. I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think, Brian? Do you agree that if, if your outlook right now after watching that game, does it change for you? Well, it is, it is interesting in that the line of scrimmage for so long was an issue for this program. They were so much smaller than all the teams they faced. And that's where they won the game. Like you said, they the 96-yard the final drive was essentially just them pushing their way through an offensive line at Rutgers, which is unbelievable to say and then Boston College gets the ball back with two minutes and a half and change that's a lot of time that the defensive line gave them just no shot and they had given that run game no shot all game constantly getting into Boston College's backfield Patrick Arwell had almost no chances ever to really get through his offensive line because every time he got the ball the Rutgers defensive line was there so in that sense it does show uh, a bit they were a bit further along than maybe I expected, although Boston College size-wise along the lines is not exactly representative of, of what Rutgers will face in the Big Ten, and I still have a decent amount of questions in other areas of the field about whether they can translate this to the Big Ten. So, I mean, Greg Channel kind of touched on it in his press conference. It's one point that really makes the difference between how we're talking about this win. I think there are a lot of good things to take away, some bad things to take away, but as far as globally, it does change the projection of where this team could go you know, people are talking about a bowl game now, right. which is that yeah. would not have happened had they lost this game. So I think you really can't be 
anything but happy if you're a Rutgers fan with this win, but there are some concerns about the future if you look, if you look ahead. Back, we're back, according to Brett Murphy, we're back in Boston at the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. I'm very disappointed. I, I Googled it. Apparently, Wasabi is not a sushi chain restaurant. It's some stupid internet storage crap. So, but still, that's a, yeah, just the, and that is a national perception thing. That's what happens when you win a game like this. I think it keeps the interest in the team a little further, Pat. And, you know, and you asked the question today as just about how it changes the perception of, of, of getting a team better after a win versus a loss. It's, it's, you know, and he admitted it. I mean, Greg Shannon was not sugarcoating. They've got a lot to work on. Saw it a lot with the penalties early on. Young first game jitters, for certainly for sure. He said he had a list of, uh, it was a really long list of things they wanted to work on for next week uh, today in the press conference. So you saw the penalties. You saw some, some, some early bad throws from Simon and Wimsat. I think, I think, yeah, just a lot of, a lot of things that got better as the game went on. And that was his whole message uh, up at Chestnut Hill. We were better when the game went along and that's what you're going to see this season, hopefully from his perspective as well, that Rutgers is going to be a better team at the end of the season than it was at the beginning of the season, because this young team has a giant learning curve and seemingly it accelerated in that game. So if they can keep that acceleration going, they're going to be better for it, uh, you know, down the line. All right, well, let's look at that quarterback situation, obviously, because that is that is the big focal point of the heading into the game, of the post game. And, you know, I wrote it in my column on, on Sunday morning, you know, they're going to have to figure it out for this team, for this season to be better than they hope. They've got to get the quarterback thing. I don't know if, if fixed is the right word. I don't even know if you have to get just one guy to be the quarterback, you got, but you got to have to have better production from that position. I thought Wimsett was in there. Certainly they looked like they ran the ball better when he was quarterback. Clearly, they trust Evan Simon to throw the ball more. And, you know, I, I, for all of we, we, we've kind of not haven't written off Noah Vedral. I think I wonder if in a lot of ways they're both placeholders for one. Noah Vedral gets healthy. I mean, it's just a very interesting dynamic situation. Did any did great channel say anything today or in watching the film, Brian, did you see anything on there that change the give some new insight on this this problem they have well greg Chow said that as a blanket statement they're going to do whatever it takes to win i don't know if you guys had heard that before but that's what Rutgers is going to they're going to try to win every week and they'll do whatever it takes to get there that's pretty uh, that's big that's big cotton bold cotton yes um when i was watching the film one thing that really stuck out was there were a couple plays when gavin the two times gavin room set rolled out to throw, which is something that Evan did not do throughout the game. There were two opportunities just right there. The first one, if he tucks it and runs, he could probably turn what was, you know, a one yard gain into 20 yards with his feet. And there's a throw, the one throw he he missed on the game winning drive. If he waits a split second, you know, pump fakes, and then he'll have Sean Ryan wide open for a 75 yard touchdown pass. Like the, the signs are there. The plays are there to be made. That comes along with the experience. Ideally at some point, one of them does become the quarterback. I do think that Rutgers has the offensive coordinator that could make a two-quarterback system work. He's done it in the past in Princeton. The situation isn't exactly the same, but Sean Gleason has plenty of experience in this system. I do think that if they are going to continue in the system, which it sounds like, at least for Wagner on Saturday, that's a, going to be a given, I think they have to be a lot better, both of them. I think the the decisions on when play, who plays when, when to take out quarterbacks has to be fixed because I can't. there were countless times, I think there were five times where a quarterback starts a drive, then another quarterback comes in for the second play. And then sometimes it's another one for the third play or the same guy plays two plays in a row. It was just as confusing. As it must've been for Boston college. It must've been confusing for the quarterbacks 
on the field too. So you make you make a great point there. It, was, it wasn't just the shuffling of the quarterbacks. It was the shuffling of the quarterbacks in the middle of drives. And it's one thing if you're going to start a drive, bring the guy, give him an opportunity to run a series. But, you know, and there was one more. They had to call a timeout. I forget when it was, maybe third quarter. You know, you, you could see Wimson on the field looking for the play. And instead of the play, he gets Evan Sivan running in to, to take to come in and to take over the offense. And, you know, they didn't, they did not enough time on the play clock, had to call timeout there. Uh, you put, you brought this, Brian, in, in your uh, film review. It, I'd have to say, wasn't a James Christ film review, but still very good, very good first film review. We, no Pulitzer Prize for it yet, but excellent job. Thank you. Um, it's week one, Steve. Don't forget. Week one. I, I know it's week one. Big shoes to fill. Big shoes to fill. I'm just saying, great job. Um, you brought it out that, that <laughs> there was one drive where Wimson looked like he found some rhythm, and then all of a sudden you've got you, you got Joshua Youngblood taking a snap. It was just a lot of stuff where you're like, all right, I get it. You want to keep them off balance. You yourself aren't sure who the quarterback's going to be, but I thought really it just it confused Rutgers as much as it confused uh, Boston College. Pat, you were the one you were the one trying to you were the one trying to chart this during the game. At one point, I thought you were going to just throw up your hands, go get some chowder, and just give up. But that's where I thought. Well, that's the uh, high school football reporter in me. You know, I tried to chart every play, <laughs> and I, I, I was I was ready because. Early on in the first half, it was completely, absolutely pandemonium trying to figure out who was on the field with the rotation. It was three quarterbacks playing on every drive. But then in the second half, it each it seemed each quarterback was going to get a series. And it started off that way in the third quarter. And then all of a sudden, it switched again. And you were getting multiple quarterbacks on each series. So it was uh, – I did get every single uh, quarterback on every single snap. And my, uh, my tally was pretty close to pro football focus, which is – I'm giving myself a pat on the back for that one. So I didn't throw my hands up. I didn't get, I didn't pour any hot chowder on myself. I just, uh, I kept it going and and did what I could do. You chopped the moment. That's good. We, 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 we appreciate that. All right. Defensively, other side of the ball was, was, it was more impressive. And, and again, we knew the defensive line was going to be really good. It was. And I think it was fresh in the in the fourth quarter. I think it's one of the reasons why they were able to put some pressure on Boston College. You saw a lot of guys, Wesley Bailey. You saw a lot of guys you didn't. Well, I wouldn't have put them on the list of the guys who I thought were going to make an impact, who made an impact, which to me says that the other guys are doing their job, too, because they're they're, they're obviously getting uh, picking up the double teams and stuff like that. Um, the linebackers were better than I thought. Uh, and the secondary maybe wasn't as good as we expected, but still late in the I mean, you know two interceptions to one, you know, a huge turnover that led to a touchdown. So, all right. You know, you, you, if you were liking the defense, when you watched it, Brian, what, what did you see in the tape that made you even more uh, feel better about that day? Yeah, I totally agree on the linebackers. It was, I was really impressed with Tyron Powell and Deion Jennings. It's really played really, really well against the run. We're constantly in gaps. We were a big part of why, Boston College got nothing going in the run game. Yes, they, the secondary did take advantage of some mistakes from Dracovic, got those two interceptions, but really struggled in in tackling in open space. I mean, Zay Flowers had a field day whenever he got the ball in space. Uh, it was really hard to keep up for them, which, to be fair, a lot of teams were going to have trouble stopping Zay Flowers, but they had a tough time with him. They had a tough time against their tight end, who is one of the better tight ends probably in the ACC. Marcus is going to face a lot of good big tight ends in the Big Ten, so that will be something to – uh, to work with. And that's partly on the linebackers too. So that's an issue they had. I mean, not to take away from their good game, but that was an issue there. So yeah, the secondary was su- probably the biggest surprise on the negative side on my end. I thought they would be a little bit better. I thought Max Melton had a, a rough game uh, that 
didn't live. I think he is a lot better than the game he played. I think he would tell you as much. Uh, I was surprised by that. But I guess the, the good news from there is that you can only really go up from there and they'll have two weeks to kind of, well, three weeks, really, because it's not like they're going to get thrown on against Iowa. So they'll have three weeks to prepare for the best passing offense in the country in Ohio State. All right, let's dive into true-false, guys. We're going to cover a lot of the other positions here because, uh, obviously, this is the first time I got to see them. So there are many things that uh, surprised us. It certainly surprised me, but uh, we're going to start, obviously, with the quarterbacks. and I will put you on the spot right away. True-false, pull off the Band-Aid. Gavin Wimsett needs to get most of the snaps at quarterback. Fonseca, true or false? True. Pat? False. No. Uh, I'm going true. We'll come back and discuss it in a minute. So the second one, let's see where Pat lands on this. True or false? Stop sleeping on Evan Simon. He is the best passer on the team. Lanny, true or false? False. False. You going to go false on that after you went, after you went true? Okay. Um, I'll give you my reason in a second. Okay. I'll give oh, you my good. reason I like in a it. second. I like your This is what it's for. Okay. Uh, Fonseca? Yeah, false. Okay. True or false? Let's face it. Noah Vedrill is going to be the guy when he gets back. Pat, true or false? True. Yeah. Brian? Is who knows a fair answer? Or I guess I'll go with I'll go with false. Okay, I'm going to go with true there, too. I think that's what we're barreling toward. Um, true or false? Greg Chiano was right to go for two, down 14-12 early in the third quarter. Fonseca, true or false? The truest statement we've ever had on the second. Wow, this is good stuff. Pat? True. Ooh, okay, I'm going false too early to chase points, and it could have hurt them. All right, true or false? The most pleasant surprise in the game. Al Shade. Shadi, how you pronounce it? Tell me how you pronounce this. Al Shadi. Shadi. Al Shadi Salam. Most pleasant surprise. Fonseca, true or false? I'll go false, but he was a pleasant surprise, I agree. Pat? I'm going to go true because yeah. without him, they don't win. I think it's very true, too. I would I, I had written him off on the depth chart before the, before the game. I was already looking to the freshman. All right, true or false? Most pleasant surprise then. Wesley Bailey. Fonseca, is that your guy? True or false? I'll say, I'll say false, but because my biggest surprise is more position wise. All right, Pat. True or false? Uh, Salam was my biggest surprise. So, but Wesley Bailey played great. There's no great question. Game. Absolutely. Uh, true or false? Biggest disappointment. Taj Harris. Fonseca. True or false? False, but close to. I'll put him at second. Okay, Pat. True or false? Oh man, tough. I'm going to say true. Yeah, I'm because, going true there too. Absolutely. Because the uh, hype was so high coming yeah, in. I thought he was going to make a big impact. He only played 11 snaps. All right, true or false? Finally, uh, biggest disappointment, Max Melton. Is that your guy, uh, Fonseca? True or false? True. I was going to say the secondary in general, but Max Melton. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. true. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, obviously, we've got your answer to that one already, Pat, so we know it's not Max Melton. But, yeah, and I look back watching that game now. Let, let's go through these and talk about it because there's, there's a lot of things here. I don't know if we were too hard on Max Melton. Uh, the first touchdown was just a great play by, uh, you know, by Zay Flowers, an NFL prospect. He came back and, and, and caught an underthrown pass. Second play, looked like, touchdown, he looked like he slipped. Uh, and then look at the third, the other big Zay Flowers touchdown might have been against the zone defense. I mean, what, what did you what did you see watching that uh, film? Fun second. Yeah, I, I agree. The first one, there's really not much Max Melton could have done. I mean, that was just an insane catch from Zay Flowers on an underthrown ball. And uh, yeah, the third touchdown was was against the zone. Zay Flowers just got a ball in space and just ran through the entire Rutgers secondary. Yeah, um, that was tough. All right. So, but for me, Tosh Harris, and I, 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 I guess I, <laughs> I just assumed 
he, him coming in Syracuse big play receiver a position of massive need a lot of hype 11 plays you asked we asked Greg Shan directly about him and you had to follow up to make sure there wasn't discipline I mean tell me give me a sense of what the answer was from uh Greg Shano and whether or not you buy it Greg essentially said it was uh down to competition uh, that uh you know, he, he was slowly ramping up his reps. He's a newcomer and he's kind of hoping that as he learns, he will grab more reps in a bigger role. I'm not sure I buy that for two reasons. One, the other wide receivers did not have particularly big day. The other, the, the biggest day of the wide receivers was Aaron Crookshank, who had two catches for 19 yards. Sean Ryan had a couple of opportunities for big catches that he didn't make, partly because of the quarterback, partly because of him, unless he's talking about being, getting beat out in practice, which I guess is, is fair enough. And Greg said, you know, he's a newcomer acclimating. This guy, he, he, you know, he transferred in during the spring. He was in spring camp, had a big spring game. He participated in training camp. I'm, I'm, I think he's had enough time to kind of acclimate. So I, I think Rutgers fans should hope that Greg Giano is, you know, telling, telling the truth and that uh, it does, it is taking a bit longer for Tosh Harris to acclimate because if he does become the player he was at Syracuse, that's a huge bump for a Rutgers wide receiving core that's replacing Bo Melton and if he doesn't I'm not sure they have a guy that can reach that gear that that he can yeah it certainly didn't look like they had they had a guy in that game uh Sean Ryan was out there a little bit Krushank again you know he, he certainly in scoring the touchdown you can tell he's healthy I mean then that's the most important thing uh wasn't as big a factor in the return game a lot of people qu- had questions about that we'll get that when we get when we get to uh uh reader questions but overall i mean yeah they're still looking for that guy and that was that was a really big question going into the game i thought tosh harris would answer that the reason why they brought him in as a grad transfer I and mean, we didn't see it in week one so that's interesting all right going for two G- give me your best fun second give me why you thought that was the right decision that the i second guessed it at the time I didn't think they were going to get it at the time. <laughs> they didn't get it. I just thought it was chasing points too early. Then they were down nine points and the, you know, then the, you're down two scores. Why did you think it was the right call? They had to go for two anyway, because of the missed extra point, right? It's they better to go for two. They didn't have to go. The, why do they have to go for two then? They could have scored. It's still it was one, the one minute in the third quarter. They could have scored a million things could have happened points wise between there. I'm going to go with game, game flow in that. I'm going to go with game flow in that situation. Like it felt like the game was kind of, just at the point where they needed a two-point conversion, so that's that's why I went true. Okay, you think that that they think it was just situational. Right, it was it was right after they right after they recovered the fumble, they had a little right. bit of momentum on their side. Why not go for it then? You know, of course you can always second guess the two-point conversion, but I thought they had a little bit of momentum on their side, and that's why they the analytics are on my side. Are they on your side? Of course, they're, they're, they're on, on my side. If you check the chart, side. you check the chart. <laughs> go for it. Okay. So I'm pointing towards the chart. chart. That's that's my uh, that's, okay. my, that's my reasoning. All right. Uh, okay. Fair enough. It, it didn't matter in the game, but they, uh, uh, at the time, anyway, all right. Are you more we'll of a feel kind of guy, Steve? Are you like, uh, I don't know what I am. Like, good question. I'm, I'm a second guessing kind of guy. <laughs> all, right. all right. Let's go to the quarterbacks. All right. I, you know, a friend of the pod made a point that maybe they, maybe they don't need, this might just be for better, better for the, this team in particular to play two quarterbacks. I, I didn't think it was in week one. I, I wrote that they need to find who their guy's going to be. And I still think it's Gavin Wimsett. I think, I think he's, when he's out there, you can just see the talent. I'm willing to, I'm willing to let him make mistakes to have him get a chance to, to show that, you know, and I guess, I guess that's just how I feel about it. Should, should, take, taking him off the field, throwing him back in there. It can't be good for his continuity. Am I wrong? Uh, I, what was the worst play in the game? It was 
Gavin Wimsett's interception and then Gavin Wimsett's penalty, right? It was one of the worst plays. And those are the moments that, that ruin game, those close games. So if like the, the difference between winning and losing is, is that much. And I, I'm, I'm putting up like a centimeter. Yeah. You can't have those kind of plays on a consistent basis is why I, I, I said false to that one. Um, because I think your best chance to win still isn't with Wimsett making mistakes. To me, it, it kind of confirmed my preseason thoughts in that Evan Simon will not make that play. He will not make the interception. He will not tackle a player out of bounds. He won't take the risk and, and, and possibly make, make a play that could change the game. But he has no chance of making that 48-yard run that Wimsett did. He has no chance of rolling out and finding, creating, you know, making stuff happen with his feet. Like I said, the floor is a lot higher with Simon in that he won't make mistakes, but the ceiling is so much higher with Wimsett. This win changes calculations a bit in that there is a path to a bowl game if everything breaks right. If they had lost to Boston College, I would have been all in, play Gavin Wimsett, get him a whole year of experience. Now, I'm I'm not as sure, but I do think that in the long run, playing Gavin Wimsett, letting him get through his mistakes, which he's going to make at some point anyway, every quarterback does in their development, getting those out of the way early and getting him ready for the back end of the season and 2023, probably the best long-term play. But I think there is an argument to be made that doing, quote-unquote, whatever it takes to win, maybe the two-quarterback system. Is, is the best way to go. I mean, there's a definite path to a bowl game that we, you, they're going to be three and oh, so they're halfway there. There's not, there's, I don't see a scenario where they lose. Uh, these are two truly awful teams in Wagner and Temple. Iowa beat seven, three victory over South Dakota state. I, I get it. This is sort of a, people are laughing about it. Iowa football. This is how they play. Clearly they're not a dominant team that, so that's a winnable game now. And Nebraska stinks. We've seen that. That's a winnable game. Indiana is better, but that's a winnable game. You've there, you know, Maryland's still Maryland. They're better, but that's, that's a winnable, you know, they've still got, they've got, they're going to have chances uh, to get the six. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that does change. And that's why I think this, we might be in a situation fans will lose, they'll go nuts if this happens. And we don't know the timetable for Noah Vetrel, but if he is ready to play against Iowa, he might be the guy, you know, that's where we could be headed to. So uh we're gonna find out soon enough all right uh questions for you yeah Uh, go ahead i wasn't around for 04 the michigan state win followed by the new hampshire loss what were they saying in the week leading new hampshire game you know i don't remember exactly what 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 the what the hype was i I mean someone said that someone pointed that out like well they'd lose to new hampshire i mean that was like a really good team though they finished the season 10 and three chip kelly was the offensive coordinator i mean they scored a lot of points they made it to the playoffs i mean I agree with you. They're gonna they're gonna beat Wagner. They're probably gonna beat Temple. I'm just saying it would be a very Rutgers thing if they lost to Temple and blew a chance for an a, you know an amazing atmosphere against Iowa. Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldridge is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Nights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. And uh, second point. Iowa obviously did not score an offensive touchdown, right? They're not, they didn't score an offensive point aside from a field goal. Their offense was obviously bad, but do you think Rutgers could score seven points on Iowa on that defense? That, that's what I come back to. I, I know people are getting fired up given that those two scores that happened this weekend, 
I just want you to consider, I mean, that Rutgers offense, that line is not moving Iowa's line the way they move Boston College. Yeah. And Gavin and said, they're not running the ball for 200 yards either against Iowa. Right, right. We're getting too far ahead of ourselves. I'm just saying before people get really excited and start thinking about a 4-0 Rutgers team going to the shoe and pulling off the upset, let's pump the brakes, you know, two or three times. Yeah, but it just, I mean, the point is it will be 3-0 and and they will have a chance. Certainly you would, you would agree that they would have a chance to beat Iowa. It's not like it, looking at a few years ago and you're watching this team, it's okay, well, I forget, that, that's an L. I mean, that that's a touchdown game. That's not... A negative Nelly like me will admit that, but I am just saying it's a touchdown game because I was off and stinks and their defense is really, really good. So that game's going to end up like six, two. Yeah. They're just bludging each other with rocks and that, that, uh, and Piscataway, it'll be a fun day, but you're right. We have gotten too far ahead of ourselves. Oh, but Iowa's punter. That's going to be a good punt off. Apparently he was the big 10 player of the week. I saw. So that's Adam Corsak's got some competition. Very, uh, that's another dramatic turn of events. All right. Good stuff, guys. I'm true or false. All right, insider question, guys. Everyone, thank you for sending in your questions. We had about like 75 or 80 questions from our texting folks. If you are not one of our Rutgers insiders, uh, subscribe now while you can. Get in, get in. We had a lot of fun with uh, texts throughout the game, and uh, and obviously just a lot of just a ton of great questions. Um, all right, let's start here because this this one came up uh, six or seven times. I listened to the Boston College head coach post pre, post press conference. And he stated, Jeff Hathley stated that he knew that Vedral was not playing about a week and a half or two weeks ago. What gives? That's from Mike Jackson. Another one wanted to know a peek behind the curtain. Did you guys know? How would Hathley have found out? So there's just a lot of questions about what happened with the injury. All right, I'm just going to start here. We, you know, as I mentioned last week, when we see a practice, it is off the record, quote unquote. That means we cannot report what we see. So yes, uh, both you guys, I was not there. Both you guys were there for the injury. Uh, we were aware of it, couldn't report it. And that's just the policy that Rutgers has, you know, I mean, how did, how did uh, Boston college find out? I mean, I, you know, there's still 250 people who attend who were at practice. I mean, it's not like Boston college recruits the same area in the state. They have, you know, high school coaches. I mean, there's a million, million people. I was, when it happened, I was like, there's no way, there's no way we're getting to game week without Boston college finding out. And, and we found out, you know, that, that, that was the case, but um, you know, that's just Greg Shannon. He's right. Brian. I mean, he's just going to keep that. He's just going to try to get any advantage he possibly can. And that was what he was doing there. Uh, and it didn't work. He didn't get, he didn't get the game week without BC finding out. Right. Imagine if they had, if they let us report that Noah Vedra was out, Rutgers might have lost that game. Think about that, Steve. You think so? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I think so. <laughs> maybe Greg Shiano thinks so. And that's really, I mean, at this point, he's the yeah. one that calls it tears. So. Hey, hey, it's it, college coaches across the country. They play three-dimensional chess with this stuff. There is no injury policy. They're under no obligation to report the injury. I mean, if it was a left guard, I'm pretty sure they could have, or, or even a starting linebacker, I'm pretty sure it could have gotten to, to game week with a quarterback. I mean, that's just a, I mean, that's just tough. And that's, and so uh, apparently Boston college was not surprised, even if many fans were surprised that Noah Vezel was hurt. All right, let's dive into the, uh, the next one here. Here's one for you, Pat Jersey. John wants to know, can you guys discuss your thoughts on Salam's performance and whether or not you think he has the potential to have a breakout year? I know it might be too early to tell based on one performance, but I'm wondering if the combination of him and Manangai could possibly give Rutgers that one, two punch. Certainly with the uncertain timing of uh, Young's return, added snaps might give him an opportunity to shine. 
Pat, what this is the kid you watched in high school, and and were you surprised by what he did? I was I was surprised. I was surprised, pleasantly surprised. Of course, uh, we knew that he was going to be in the mix a little bit based on the depth charts and stuff. What he adds to the mix with Manungai is the speed and power, right? Like Manungai, he's a little guy, but he runs between the tackles really well and runs with power. Salam is a nice compliment to that. Aaron Young, when he gets back from what I've been told, is he's a great pass catching receiver. Uh, you know, a great pass catching tailback. So. You got three good running backs there with three different, very versatile skill sets. That's that's a college backfield. Like that's what having that versatility is important. And the days of maybe like the one guy isn't necessarily always the way to go. When you have versatility, it, it can it can work. So I think Rutgers wants to do that, and and they're going to play three, four running backs every week. Yeah, and, and certainly, I mean, obviously, Kamenong guy would be the workhorse guy. I just I, I just continue to love him as a running back. But I think you're right. I mean, there's no reason why he's not he's that he's a good off speed pitch. Certainly, he's got some speed. He's got some nice moves, and that was you know that was a great run there on uh, for the touchdown to to, to give this Scarlet nice to lead. All right, more questions. So this is this is a uh, one we've gotten a couple of times as well. New Jersey is a prime recruiting territory for BC. Disregarding NIL, do you think this win will help Rutgers, particularly going to head to head with Boston College? Uh, good question. I'm I'm ran Todrick Hunt really broke that down pregame. Uh, Greg Schiano and Jeff Halfley obviously are both a pair of guys who want to recruit the New Jersey parochials, want to get the best talent in New Jersey. You know, I don't know how much head to head, Brian, they're really going with guys these days. Um, you know, Rutgers is taking more of a nas- national approach a lot of times now with recruiting, uh, but it can't hurt. Right. I mean, you've, so now this is the second year, the second year in a row, they've taken one of these teams. A great channel does not want to play them, but he did it. He beat Syracuse last year. He beat Boston college this year. I, I mean, it certainly uh, it, it certainly can't hurt recruiting. Yeah, it can't hurt recruiting. Um, I don't know how much you know, cross recruiting there are between these teams since Shannon has come back and Halfley's been back. They kind of switched a bit. Uh, but yeah, if you're if you're going against a kid, if you're going against one school for a kid, you can show that you've beaten this team, especially the way Rutgers did. Certainly helps. All right, uh, dive into a few more. How did the rookies do on their first road trip? Question from CJ and Basking Ridge. Fonseca, what did we learn? Who 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 played? Who uh, who was out there that played that we didn't expect this play? Yeah, I mean, by rookie, take a guy who if he, a few if he had a few snaps last year, it's fine. But were there guys out there who uh, impressed you, uh, who were first time or close to first time players? Well, El Shadi obviously scoring the game when he touched down, pretty big. big one. Kamar Missouri played his second game. He played some snaps at left tackle uh, for Willie Tyler. Uh, was not an upgrade necessarily. Willie Tyler struggled in the past game, and uh, Kamar Missouri did too. Almost got Evan Simon decapitated on a play late in the third quarter. Uh, but the fact he's the seventh guy is pretty good uh, indication of how he's developing. The newcomers on the offensive line I thought were globally pretty good. Like I said, Willie Tyler struggled a bit in pass pro, but he was decent at run blocking. Uh, the other you know, linemen were relatively solid, especially on that. Last drive, three of the guys on the line, along with Holland Pierce and Ireland Brown, were transfers, uh, which shows how much uh, they boosted that line because that line was not going to do that last year without them. Uh, Sean Ryan, I thought, showed some good signs uh, at wide receiver. He had one catch, but he was in position for two more. That's uh, Sam Brown had a carry. He didn't get as much action as I expected, maybe, but, you know. Who, he, who did Greg, who did Shano shout out at the press conference who played a few snaps in the Gator Bowl? Yeah, the two guys he shouted out today were Desmond Igbenosin, safety and uh and wesley bailey 
Yeah, and Wesley Bailey obviously had the two the, the huge sack that late late in the game, and that leads us to the next question, which is a really good one, I think. Uh, what did you think of Halfley's end game management on BC's last offensive play on fourth and twenty five? They had two timeouts left, and he takes one timeout to punt. Wouldn't you go for it there? And even if you miss, then Rutgers scores, and you're only down eight with two minutes to go. Uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> we didn't like this is a total second guess of course we were too busy writing and and that holy crap Rutgers is going to win this game moment to really worry about what Jeff Hathley was doing but James Kratz I got to be a text from Kratz during during all the craziness like why didn't why didn't uh Hathley just take a safety there and then try the onside kick on the safety but I think the, the, the better play would yeah try to get to 25 yards I mean certainly they had, they had some chunk plays during the game that would that makes more sense to me than punting it back to to Rutgers because the best case scenario happened at, at that point for for BC is they got the punt with 17 seconds left and obviously not enough time to to do anything there. What did you think of that at the end of the game? James Crash is the only human being on earth who would think of taking that intentional safety. <laughs> it, it's a, it's the most Crash esque thing of all time. And yeah, honestly, a good crash. it really is a Crash esque thing. It's, good. It, it's a great idea, too. I would have never thought about it. Um, I'm also not a football coach. I mean, it's a great idea, truthfully. It's a, again, it's a second guess. It's a tough spot. I would want to be Jeff Halfley in that spot. It's really tough because let's say you go for it, you know, then Rutgers gets the ball back. Yes, yeah, so the hope is that they score, right? But what if they just kneel it down for three plays? You use your two timeouts. Right. And then they score anyway. Now you're down, you know, you get the ball back with a minute left. And uh, I, I think honestly, there's no right choice to do. You're really screwed <laughs> no matter what you do. Right. Yeah. It was just that they, they, they were going to lose that game at that point. Yeah. The, 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 the drive before they had ample chances to, uh, to stop Rutgers and couldn't do it. And, that, and that's, uh, that's where we're at. All right. Uh, Rocco in Florida is going to ask a question that we're going to get every week and we're never going to be able to answer it. But I'll ask it anyway, so we could say we tried. Uh, any info on the injury situation? Looked like at least there were no apparent injuries during the game. Did I miss anything? Was there anybody get hurt that would have been a concern? Kyle Manungai limped off at some point on the last drive, but uh, he talked to us after the game, obviously. He said it was a rotational thing, I think. I think he'll be fine. Deion Jennings nicked himself up on a special teams coverage play, but was back in the game, so he's fine. Um, so as far as I can remember, Unless I'm missing something super glaring, uh, they came out pretty healthy out of the game. All right, great, uh, great job, guys, and thank you everyone for the questions that we had far more questions than we could possibly get to this week. But we will try to uh, we'll try to answer them uh, in the tech service. So thank you for uh, for doing that. All right, let's go to the road trip. This is our first road trip as 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 the the new the new pod group up to Boston. Good, I've got a good road trip story that I that I want to share with the audience. So. To set the scene, he's, you know, this is the first time three of us are traveling together. We go to a, not, not, a, not a fancy, a nice restaurant, get the bill. Uh, I take my credit card. I put it in the, 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 you know, the, little, the little folder there, head to the bathroom. I figure that while I'm gone, that, that, that my two colleagues would also put their credit cards in, in the folder. And I get back and the bill's there and it was all on my card. So I got to tell you, that was really a smooth, you know, you gave you gave me the look like, well, wait, were we supposed to also pay for our meals? Like this was the first time we've ever split a check. So defend yourself. Fun second. What was it? Did you plan that ahead of time? I I want to I want to like I like the idea that I believe that you guys were laughing like hell when the waiter came and took the card. That's what I want to believe. Lanny and I game planned while you were in the bathroom to do the whole thing. I wish I could say that. No, I, it's week one, Steve. I'm like one. I said, for many things I'm learning. It's my first road trip. I'm a rookie. Uh -huh. 
oh, I thought, you know, I thought one card was more efficient. That's you good. live and you learn. And I will add, Steve, the day that we went to lunch when we recorded the first podcast that I was on, when I hit the Seton Hall car, you also did put down your card and paid for the whole thing. So <laughs> there true. is precedence. <laughs> that is a good point. Fair point. Yes. When you, when you rammed into the, the guy with the Seton Hall sticker, I forgot about that. It's a good point. Okay. Good defense. Fair defense. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Okay. All right. Uh, good road trip though. Uh, Lanny, do you enjoy your first road trip as, as Rutgers beat writer? I mean, Hotel was okay. Kazumba, a Kazumba convention at the hotel. That was kind of fun. <laughs> you know what Kazumba is? I didn't know what Kazumba was, but they were like, a, like it was ter- it was terrific. I, I I had no idea. I had no idea what Kazumba was. I obviously found out. That was great. Uh, the stress of the game was tough. Charting every play, I, I I was like losing my mind at some points. It was stressful, and then of course the rewrite is always stressful. So I will always remember my first Rutgers game for sure. Get me a road trip was... though. Overall, great success. You were a great, you were a great driver. I did, yes, I did get us home quickly, which was good. So we'll keep that in mind. All right, predictions. Uh, we were all at least half wrong on our prediction last week. I was a hundred percent wrong. I thought Boston College would, would win and cover. You guys at least uh, got Rutgers to cover. So you were one and zero. I am zero and one. You were leading. Uh, Fonseca, do we have a line? <laughs> we have a line on Wagner yet? What's what's the line on Wagner? We do not. FCS teams do not drop lines until I think either the day before or the morning of. So okay, so we'll have to wait a bit. Can, can we pick a line? Can we make? What do you think the line should be on this game? Rutgers minus 69. How about that? 69 seems, seems nice. Let's go seems with a little the, high. Let's go with Rutgers minus 34 and a half. 30. That's it. Okay. I think all, it's right. all right. All right. All right. Let me, let me change it. Let me change it. All right. Give me my third crack. All right. 42 and a half. That's good. 40. I think that's the right number. It's exactly the right number. All right. So our, our Vegas line is Rutgers minus 42 and a half. That's the one that'll count. No matter what they come up with, the Vegas comes up with 18. We're still stuck at 42 and a half. All right, who? You, what's your prediction, Fonseca? Who are you taking? I will, I'll go Rutgers 49, Wagner 3. They do not cover. They do not cover. You're going to give them a field goal, though. Wagner's going to kick a field goal. I got. I mean, they, they're playing their light they're, they're for their lives out here. They've lost 21 games in a row. They All they have is their pride, so they're going to have to tr- score something, you know? Yeah, I Bring think some points back to Staten Island. That's good. That's a great point. Okay. All right, uh, Lanny, what do you think? Is, is what, What's your score in this one? I'm going to go, I'm going to say 42 and a half Rutgers covers, and we're going to go 54 to 10. 54 to they 10. They do give up a touchdown. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, we're all going to go in the same direction here. Wagner is really bad. I did, I, I added it up, but they're 21 straight losses and they've been outscored by three touchdowns and an average in that stretch. Um you know, I would say I'm not going to kid you and pretend I know anything about Wagner, but I do know that Greg Shannon will not call off the dogs in this game. They will try to score as many points as they possibly can in the first half. They're going to run the ball over them. They're going to want to get the passing game going. You know, I think it's going to be Rutgers could break 60 in this game. That's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go like 61 to, to seven, that kind of that kind of score, 59 to seven. I don't know. We'll figure out what the number is, but I think it's going to be a breezy when Rutgers fans will enjoy their first uh, boardwalk experience, a lot of new wrinkles, firework display, a lot going on that'll be uh, of more interest, I think, than the actual football when this is all said and done. All right, gents, any final thoughts? Fonseca, what else? Send us yeah. off here. Uh, one very interesting thing, thing uh, that got lost in the mix 
is this weekend Rutgers hosted two pretty big basketball prospects, uh, Bayfall, five foot center, two twenty five star, not five foot center. That would be hilarious. <laughs> a five star uh, center from the class of twenty twenty three. Him and Papa Conte are the two candidates to, uh, or rather, two prospects that Rutgers is really pulling for to replace Cliff Omori, Omori who is probably gone after the season. Um, I the fact Rutgers got Bayfall on campus is very good. I don't think their chances of landing him are in particular. Uh, it seems like he's at Arkansas lean at this moment. And uh, it would be it is stunning. Probably the biggest recruiting win Steve Pikel has had if he can pull him out of a uh, pull him out of Colorado. Uh, I don't know. I think Papa Conte is more likely, but Rutgers is really fighting an uphill battle with both. Um, either either would be tremendous. Uh, I am not particularly optimistic for Rutgers on either. But yes. And then Olympic sports women's players on a tear start. Uh, they were ranked number three to start the season. And. They are down to number nine. Uh, they took that personally and beat Temple seven nothing, and they could have beat Temple a hundred to nothing if they really wanted to. So, a good start to the season for the ladies on the soccer pitch. Why did they drop from three to nine if they hadn't lost the game? I don't understand. Yeah, the coach's poll uh, is not exactly a, a science, and okay. uh, I think the the argument is strength of schedule, which is obviously my favorite argument to make about anything. Uh, mm. But I think they'll. They'll move up after this week. Very exciting. Women's soccer. Rutgers is a women's soccer school. Papa Conte, I'm rooting for him just because he would be in the top 10 all-time name category for the Scarlet Knights if he gets that. If he gets, that is a great, that is a first-class name. So let's hope we get Papa Conte on the roster. All right. On that note, we'll come back next week. We'll talk about the Wagner game. We'll see if the quarterback situation shakes out a little bit. And uh, again, thanks for listening. See you then. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com insider.